The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. 1 Timothy chapter number 6, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, a young pastor in the faith, and he's really giving Timothy, this young pastor, a list of things to look out for in his church. In verse number 3, he says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness... He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railing. And we're going to focus in these next few messages on this one thing on the list right here, evil surmising, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such, withdraw thyself. This morning, pastor is going to begin the message entitled, Our Thoughts About Others. Well, we are picking it back up with our sermon series, What's on Your Mind? And just by way of introduction, we've been saying for several weeks, too many Christians attempt to change their behaviors without ever changing their thoughts and beliefs regarding those behaviors. And what we've been learning over the last couple of weeks is that this will never work. Uh, The Bible says that we are transformed We're literally changed in our behaviors, and the Bible says the way that comes about is through the renewing of our minds, according to Romans chapter number 12. And so we've been saying for several weeks as our theme for this series, changing our thoughts really is the secret to changing our lives. And yet the reality is most Christians don't really take time to think about what it is that they think about. And so that's what we're trying to do here in this particular series. You see, changing our life is not necessarily always about trying harder. Oftentimes, it's about simply thinking differently. And that's what we're trying to focus in on a little bit. So today, we're going to be looking at our thoughts about others. And and I do want to say from the outset uh, that this will be more of an introductory message to the sermon that will continue next week. I was working through my studying. I wanted to dive into our thoughts about others and realize that I had written about a two-hour sermon. And so rather than forcing you guys to sit through two hours this Sunday morning, I'm going to start with simply the introduction, and then next week I'll preach the sermon, all right, if you'll allow me to do that. And so uh, take that in mind as we're moving through this. We are calling this Thoughts About Others. However, this introductory portion won't kind of dive deep into that, but it will simply lay the foundation for where we're going next week as we talk about our thoughts about others, specifically uh, from our text, this idea of evil surmising, and that's what we're going to unpack here a little bit today. So uh, before I do, I, I, uh, as many of you know, my brothers and I, we went to Bible college and uh, down in Southern California, and uh, the four of us just kind of at different times, of course, uh, had the opportunity of studying and uh, kind of biblical studies and different things, and, and we were down there. And, and, and one of the things that uh, our dad, as we were growing up, really encouraged us not to date much, and uh, I thought that was a pretty good idea in high school and things, and so 
uh, we got to college and my dad kind of was like, hey, now you're in college, you know, one of the things that you need to be praying about and looking at is, uh, you know, who potentially you'll marry and things like that. And so that came with a lot of uh, interesting stories and neat endeavors. And uh, my brother one time, Daniel, who was living with us, told me one of the funniest stories that I'd ever heard. And I asked if it was all right if I told it for him. And so I'm going to share this story with you because I just think it's absolutely hilarious. And uh, anyways, it, 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 anyway, I'll, I'll dive into it. So one day, it, as, as I'm understanding the story, uh, there was a girl he was kind of a little bit interested in and things. And so he thought, man, well, maybe we'll, you know, take some time to talk. And, and the, over time, they kind of developed a little bit, just talking here and there and everywhere. And, and one day, as they were sitting there talking, um, he was kind of there and focusing a little bit and, and this and that. And, and, you know, she was just talking very nonchalantly and kind of just kind of they were talking about different things. And just kind of almost as a side note, very nonchalantly, uh, this girl said to him, she said, uh, uh, and uh, she says, I've, uh, I've had kids with a guy. And this obviously kind of, you know, kind of, you know, surprised him a little bit. You know, this was a Bible college girl, you know, she's 17, 18 years old, and he was finding out that she had kids and things. And so this kind of really startled him, you know, in this kind of way. And so he's like, really, and they kind of ended the conversation very quickly. And I remember he was going back trying to figure out, you know, man, I kind of, kind of maybe interested in this person, but you know, 17, 18 years old, and here she has kids, and I don't know if I'm ready, you know, for all that and those types of things, and kind of wrestling through that, and he talked to different folks, and after about a week or so, he finally had to go back, and he said, I don't, I don't really know how, how to say this completely, but you know, you remember that thing, you know, you told me last week, and, and uh, she's like, yeah, she said, I, I, I didn't really think it would be that big of a deal to you. And he's kind of like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe it was just, just, just a little bit and, and things. And they were, they were kind of talking about it back and forth. And she said, that, that's really, that's a big deal to you. Like in a relationship and things, that, that would kind of, that would be a deal breaker. And he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, that would, that would kind of, kind of be a deal breaker. And, and uh, he kind of said, well, 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 what do you, <laughs> why, why don't you think it's a deal breaker? He, she said, you're, you're saying simply because I kissed a guy, that, that changes everything. He said to himself, oh, I thought you said had kids with a guy. <laughs> and for an entire week in his mind, somehow he had been working through, how am I going to work through this? He, he said later that that kind of was the end of that relationship. It just <laughs> went downhill from there. It was really hard to recover from that one, you know? And uh, you say, well, what was the point of that? You know, the reality is a lot of us do similar things in our daily lives. How many of you have gotten something in your head that you, you just knew, and then all of a sudden, as time came out, it just came out that that wasn't the reality of what was happening. It was Mark Twain who said it this way, it isn't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It isn't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just isn't so. <laughs> How many of you have been there before? You know? And that's what we're going to talk about here a little bit today. I, I want to I want to dive into this subject of surmising. Now, I don't know if this is a term uh, that we would be used to hearing, and so I want to take a moment just to define it for you. But much like in the situation with my brother, the reality is a lot of times surmising isn't something we do on purpose. It's not like we're trying to assume something about somebody else or we're trying to try to, you know, malign or these types of things. A lot of times it just comes because of misunderstandings or miscommunication. But what happens in a relationship is those things begin to kind of spiral out of control. And so let's talk about what is surmising, all right? Surmising is the formation or expression of an opinion without sufficient evidence for proof. 
To surmise is to conjecture. To surmise is to guess. To surmise is to assume. And what I find in relationships, that what most often causes friction in a relationship, what causes relationships to get to an unhealthy place, oftentimes at its root, is there is surmising going on on one, in one individual or possibly in both. And before you know it, that relationship begins to unravel because of this thing called surmising. So this morning, we're going to uncover two introductory thoughts regarding our perception of others. All right, and we're going to just dive into it. So let's do this today. Our opinions, I think they might even have this on the screens, our opinions, perspectives, worldview, our thinking, our attitude, and our paradigms become the lenses through which we filter and interpret all the details of life around us. And so we've got to understand that what we see and how we interpret our life, it comes with lenses, which leads us to our first thought today, and that's simply this. Our perceptions are not reality. Your perception is not reality. My perception is not reality. Our perceptions are not reality. And this is very, very important for us to understand if we're going to have strong interpersonal relationships with individuals. Now, there are times when our perceptions will align with reality. That happens on occasions. Where the perception that's going on in our head, the way we're viewing the world, the way we're interpreting a situation, the way we're seeing some circumstances, sometimes that aligns with reality, but not as much as we might think. Because perception and reality are two separate entities. They're two separate things. But in too many people's minds, they see perception and they see reality as being one and the same. And they are simply not. They're two separate entities. And in order for us to have strong interpersonal relationships, we have to come to realize that our perceptions are not the realities of life. They are simply that, a perception, an interpretation, a perspective, nothing more, nothing less. And for many individuals, even many Christians, we elevate our perspectives, our worldviews, our you know, our, our, our perceptions of life, we elevate those perceptions to a level of reality. And it's a very proud, arrogant thing to do, to assume that your perception is reality. It is not. It's two very distinct and separate things. How many of your kids have ever maybe come home with a pair of glasses. How many of you, you've seen these big ones? They're like this big. Any of your kids ever have these? Or these massive, you know, like a clown would wear or something like that. And they wear them to be silly. And oftentimes they'll have different colored lenses on them. There'll be a pink lens or blue lenses. And, and you wear them just to look a little silly. Uh, this week at my kid's school was spirit week. And so my daughter wanted to go and, and get some things to make her look silly. And she went to the Dollar Tree and there were these massive glasses that she was thinking about picking up. She thought it would make her look silly on spirit week and think but they had these lenses on them and when you put these glasses on because the lenses were so big it made everything that you were looking at appear blue 
And so as she was wearing those glasses, if she looked at something, the walls or the, you know, the scenery around her would be tainted by the color of those lenses. And everything you would look at would appear blue. Now, the reality is, life around her was not blue, but those lenses gave a perception that life and circumstances and situations were blue. Here's what I'm trying to say. Many of us do this all the time. We put on the lens of our worldview. We put on the lens of our opinions. We put on the lens of our perspectives. We put on the lens of our perceptions and and vantage points. And they skew the way we interpret the world around us. They affect how we interpret what we see. But then we have the audacity and the pride to somehow believe that what we're seeing is in fact actual reality. Nine times out of ten, it just isn't. It's simply what it is. It is simply a perception. It is simply an opinion. It is simply a vantage point. But it is not, in fact, reality. Isaiah 55, verse 8, says it this way. God speaking, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Notice that. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. God's literally saying, your perspective is not my reality. Your worldview aren't my facts. Your opinions are not reality. Somebody once said it this way, your earthly perspectives are not heaven's reality. Your ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts. I want you to jot this down. It might even be in your service guide. And that's simply this. Most people, most of us, do not inhabit an authentic reality. I just need you to come to grips with this. That most of us in this room, we do not inhabit an authentic reality. But rather, we live in a conceptualized reality of our own making. Most of us do, and we have to have the humility to admit that. You, you, do not, you do not live in an authentic reality. You live in a perceived reality, a bubble. A bubble that has been created by your past experiences, your worldviews, your opinions, the experiences, the memories, that which you have been, that which has been, you know, taught into you. And for many, many of us, our perceptions are simply not reality. Uh, this summer, I was on vacation and uh, Disney had just put out a Pixar movie entitled Inside Out. My kids wanted to go see it. How many of you have seen this movie, Pixar Inside Out? Raise your hand. If you are a parent with, with, with young kids, you've got to see this movie. It's awesome, all right? It's a great, great movie, and uh, I think the kids will like it, but if you're a parent, it'll cause you to be incredibly nostalgic, and you will cry, I promise you, all right? So there's this scene in this movie, and, and for those of you who haven't seen it, the movie is attempting to help kids understand very abstract ideas, such as thoughts and feelings and emotions. And it's really trying to attempt to help five and six and seven-year-olds understand these very abstract ideas. And so the entire movie, and it sounds weird, takes place inside the brain of a little girl called Riley. 
And so the whole movie, all these characters are emotions that are living inside Riley's head. And there was one particular scene that the moment I saw it, I thought, that's so good, you know? And uh, the scene was a, a couple of the characters in Riley's head, a few of these emotions who are in her head, they jump on in her head on the train of thought, okay? So in the movie, it's just a train, but it's the train of thought. And these characters are on this particular train. And uh, the, on this train, there are these boxes, just these wooden crate boxes. Boxes. And you might have not even noticed it if, you were, if you've seen the movie, but if you looked very closely, uh, they had some words kind of on the side of the boxes, and one of the boxes said facts, and another box said opinions, and if you noticed carefully, you, would have, you, you could have caught this, and one of the characters by the name of Joy, she was so elated, she was so excited, she's dancing around the train, and she knocks over these two crates, these two boxes of facts and opinions, Well, when she knocks them over, all the contents of these boxes fall out and all the contents get all mixed together. And all of a sudden, Joy gets really, really uh, flustered. She doesn't know what to do. She's looking at them and and she can't figure out which is which. And she wants to put them back in the right boxes so they go back where they're supposed to go. And she gets really flustered. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to watch this scene real quick and then I'll let you know what goes from there. and opinions look so similar. Ah, don't worry about it. Happens all the time. I don't know if you caught that, but of course she was kind of flustered that she wouldn't be able to put the right facts back in the box of facts and find out which one were opinions and, and put the you know, right box of opinions. And then you notice that pink elephant, his name's Bing Bong, all right, if you didn't know that. But uh, Bing Bong says, hey, don't worry about this. This happens all the time. Now remember, they're inside Riley's head, all right? And so there's an analogy being brought in here. Joy's really worried that now inside Riley's head, she's not going to know the difference between facts and opinions if she doesn't get them in the right box. And Bing Bong says, hey, it doesn't really matter. matter. Everybody struggles with this. It happens with everybody. As if to say, referring to the fact that people regularly put their opinions in the fact boxes of their lives. And then they take the facts and say, oh, that's just your opinion. (laughs) And he says, people do it all the time. And I'm going to say this, people do do this all the time. It is highly common in the world in which we live. Our perceptions and our opinions are not necessarily the facts and realities of life. They're just simply not. I'll throw this on the screen. There is a huge correlation between your emotional state of consciousness and your perceived, that's the key word, external reality. Okay? You think you live in a, you know, an authentic reality. Most often we live in an inauthentic reality that has been informed by our deeply emotional state. Negative emotional energy distorts our perception in the present. You see, people tend to see whatever it is they want to see. People tend to see whatever it is they want to see. You understand this at your workplace. Have you ever, you have somebody, a coworker, and it's like no matter what you do, 
Like no matter how hard you try to serve them or love them or be a blessing to them, like they, it's just like every time it goes wrong and in their mind, they're able to frame it as if, it, you know, you're some horrible person. Any of you have maybe, maybe relatives like this? Like no matter how hard you try, your, your motives and your heart, your ambition is to love and to serve and to be a help. But no matter, they, there's always an ability to reframe and to reinterpret and to review how that is taken. And all of a sudden, it's just kind of like you, you can do nothing right. I think most of us have experienced that on some, on some level. And, 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 and in the day and age in which we live, it's even worse. Um, there are a lot of things in our lives that actually reinforce this reality in our lives. Uh, how many of you have ever used Google on the internet? Anybody ever used Google? Raise your hand if you've used Google before, all right? We used to use phone books. Now we use Google to learn things. Uh, how many of you have ever used Facebook f- before? You've used Facebook before, okay? Uh, a lot of you have used Facebook. I'm going to teach you something, and many of you may have not known this. Do you realize that Facebook uses algorithms and kind of mathematic metrics to figure out what it's going to show you and what it's not going to show you. See, some of you get really frustrated when your friends don't like all your stuff. I don't understand. Why don't they like it? Why didn't Pastor like that? Why didn't they? Can I, can I just share you something? Facebook only shows about 7% of your friends whatever you post. Okay? Now, some of you like this is like, whoa, if you want some deep insight on this, get with Daniel sometimes. He can, he can go on for hours to show you how all these algorithms and metrics and things work. This is just a fact, okay? So you don't get all stressed out the next time your friend doesn't like or comment on a post. Just realize they're not seeing it. Facebook understands that if it's going to make money, it can't show you all the boring stuff that your friends are posting. You'll get sick and tired of Facebook and you'll stop using it. So it has algorithms to figure out what it's going to show you. It has algorithms to figure out what it's not going to show you. And so what happens is Facebook literally reinforces this idea that I see what I want to see. I view what I want to view. You don't even know it's happening. And, and Facebook's learning. Google does the exact same thing. Google is learning you. Google, as you use the Google system, every time you use it, Google gets a little smarter for you and a little smarter for you, and it gives you exactly what it thinks you want to see. It uses metrics, it uses algorithms to do this. Can I say this? The more and more our society gets technological, the more and more we are going to be reinforced in our minds and our thoughts that we see what we want to see, we view what we want to view, Our perspective is only going to get to a place where these things happen. They're actually experimenting with technology right now when you use a smartwatch that there are literally digital, you know, kind of billboards. And those billboards are maybe like some of you have seen at a bus stop. There'll be a little sign there. That billboard will interact with your smartwatch or with your cell phone and it will show you the advertisement that it thinks you want to see. Okay, so here's the point. The point is our world is more and more going to reinforce this idea that we're going to show you what it is you want to see and we're not going to show you what you don't want to see. This doesn't help us very much in understanding the concept that we're talking about because more and more we will start getting the idea that our perception is reality. When in truth, we're simply living in a world that is learning how to show us exactly what it is we want to see to, to tell us exactly what it is we want to hear, not trying to help us, 
Not trying to support us, just give us what we want. We live in a world, my way, right away, at Burger King now. How many of you remember that slogan from years back, you know, with Burger King? All right? The reality is that's where our world's going with this thing. It is not trying to help us support a biblical worldview. It wants to give you a worldview and a perspective of life that is whatever you want it to be. (laughs) Totally subjective, totally whatever it is that you desire. Can I say this? And this is big. If you get nothing else, I want you to get this one statement. You don't have to believe everything you think. Simple as that. I don't have to believe everything I think. If you learn this one statement, it will set you free like maybe nothing ever will. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our perception is not his reality. We don't have to believe everything we think. Your mind will often lie to you. Often. What's crazy is my mind will lie to me so regularly and I have to allow the word of God. My emotions will lie. My perspective will lie. And I'll have to take that perspective, those emotions to the word of God and say, God, I feel like this is the truth. My emotions are telling me this is what's happening. My perspective, but your word is telling me a different reality. And so by faith, God, I am going to trust your reality over my perspective. I'm going to trust your facts over my simple perceptions. And that's where we come to. So first, our perception is not reality. Here's a second introductory thought as we dive into surmising, as we're going to get into our thoughts about others. If we don't understand this, you're going to have a very difficult time in your interpersonal relationships with one another if we don't understand some of these introductory thoughts. All right, so thought number one, our perception is not necessarily reality. Sometimes they align, but more often than not, they don't. Here's, here's our second thought and our final thought for this morning is we're laying the foundation for understanding interpersonal relationships and, and evil surmisings. Number two, our perceptions are influenced by the condition of our heart. So you say, Pastor, if my perspective, if my worldview, if my you know, uh, perceptions of life are not reality, what then influences how I interpret the world? What influences how I interpret life around me, how I perceive life around me? What causes me to look at all life as being blue? What causes me to look at my life as being all, you know, this way? And what causes me to see the world and interpret the world the way I do? According to the Bible, your heart does. Just like my daughter put on those glasses and those glasses changed how she perceived the world around us, your heart does much the same thing. Your heart becomes the lens by which you interpret the world around you. The reality is you can see the exact same thing somebody else is seeing, but if your heart condition is different than their heart condition, you're going to interpret it entirely differently. So let's dive deep into this for a moment. Proverbs chapter number 21 verse 2 kind of leans into this when it says, Every way of man is right in his own eyes. Everybody thinks they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. I usually tend to think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You usually tend to think you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Notice this. But the Lord, he does something different. The Lord, he ponders the what? The heart. 
he recognizes that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. This is why we're told to guard our heart, because out of it are the issues of life. Your heart is the lens. I could say it this way. Your heart is the interpreter. How many of you have ever been to a, another country before? Anybody of you been to another country and, and you struggled to communicate with somebody? And so sometimes there would be this interpreter. I, I several times have had to preach through an interpreter. I've done this on a few occasions. I'll preach. And it got weird because then I'd have to stop for a second and the interpreter over here would have to like try to translate it. And I would get talking so fast and I would use words that they'd never heard before. And there were just points where, you know, they would just look and stare and they wouldn't know what to do. On occasions, I tried to tell jokes. I didn't realize at the time that many jokes are, are culturally founded. They only work in a particular culture. And so I remember on one occasion telling a joke, and afterwards the interpreter said to me, I just had to tell the crowd to laugh. <laughs> that was the interpretation. I think he's trying to say something funny. Just laugh and we'll take care of it later. The interpreter, the interpreter had to help us work through that. Now, your heart is the same thing. Your heart is what interprets to you what's actually going on. The condition, or we might say the position of our heart, interprets how it is that we engage the details and the circumstances here in our lives. Let me say this. We do not see things as they are. But rather we see things as we are. We see what we want to see because our hearts give us what we want to see. Our hearts tell us what we want to hear. Our perceptions are influenced by the condition or the, the position of our heart. Some of you might have seen this. I, I kind of like optical illusions. How many of you have seen optical illusions before? And uh, there was a real cool one that just came out, and I'll describe it for a second, but it was all of these jumbled wires. It was an artist that put this thing together, and maybe you've seen these, but they took all of these wires and they jumbled them all together. And from one perspective, if you looked at it from one position, it just looked like a jumbled mess of wires. But then from another position, it looked like one kind of animal. Like, what in the world? This, nothing changed. Nothing was different. If you stood in another area and looked at it, it looked like an entirely different animal. Nothing intrinsically changed. Nothing intrinsically was different. It was simply the position of the person perceiving it. And the position of the person perceiving it changed how their brain interpreted that to them. I want you to see this. Some of you have already seen it, but I'm going to throw it up here just so you can catch a glimpse of it. It's pretty cool. What are you guys seeing? Elephant? It's outside. Jumbled mess. What is it? What's going on? What are we seeing now? Giraffes. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Like, well, man, this is, this, is, this is really, really interesting here. So, okay, so you're going to do it one more time, see? So you're getting this? Huh. Same reality. Same thing from different positions, different perspectives. 
Could you imagine two people that day fighting over what they were saying? One person standing here, no, this is an elephant. The artist was definitely trying to create an elephant. And here's this guy over here, and he's looking at it, he's scratching his head. He's like, no, the artist is clearly trying to show us some giraffes. And the two of them just going at it, you know? This is what happens in a lot of our marriages. And this is what happens in a lot of our workplaces. And this is what happens in a lot of our churches, all right? All of a sudden, one person standing here, the position of their heart. Another person standing here, the position of their heart. And they're fighting over what the author intended, what the creator was trying to make. And they're fighting. And both of them, to some degree, are right from their perspective. And that's why they can't come to any unity. This is why we have to be so careful to recognize that it's not even about what we're seeing. It's about the position of our heart. That's what matters. You get the position of your heart right, and then another person allows their position of their heart to come in alignment, not with your ideas or your worldviews or your perspective, But we all come into unity with the Spirit and allow God's Word to be the foundation, the position from which we view life, we view marriage, we view our careers, we view our money, and we allow His position to be our position of our heart. Then there can be unity. Then we can come together. But unless we're going to come to a common standard, the reality is we can fight all day and to some degree from a human perspective, the perception is just that. Perception is reality. So, our pride, I think, well, let's throw this. Our pride often confuses our perspectives, our interpretation, our opinions, and our viewpoints with the actual facts of reality. Okay, we talked about pride a couple of weeks ago, how pride influences us from the inside out. When we are proud, we can't tell the difference between reality and our own interpretation, and this is very, very important. We don't even often see the pride in our heart, it just is there, but when it's there, we can't tell the difference between perception or reality. And in our own interpretation, ego is a master at selective perception and distorted interpretation. Our ego and our pride are just masters at changing how we see what we see and changing how we hear what we hear. And I'm going to say to you this, what you're getting in fights about and what causes division and what causes conflict, from your perspective, the way you see it, it makes logical sense for you to come to the position you've come to probably. You authentically see giraffes. And that other person is not stupid because they authentically see an elephant. So we cannot be arguing over perspectives. We can't argue over paradigms. We have to, we have to work toward the heart. This is why the gospel is so important in churches. There are so many people, they're fighting over the external realities of life and our culture. And I'm saying here, we have a bigger battle to fight. And the battle that we have to fight is over the hearts and the souls of men. You'll never convince somebody of something if you don't allow the Holy Spirit of God to transform their hearts from the inside out. Because our perspectives are founded on the position of our heart. To try to convince somebody of something 
without giving space for the Holy Spirit of God to transform their heart and soul from the inside out is an exercise in futility where you will spend the rest of forever arguing and fighting and striving. And the reason we hold so strongly to our position is because we see it so strongly from our perspective. And we want to come to a place where, wait a second, the position of our heart And when we fight with somebody, we are not fighting over what they see. We are fighting, we're encouraging, we're battling for the soul, for their heart. And it is only the gospel that can change the heart, not your arguments. Not your perspectives. Not your worldviews. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit alone that can change the heart and the soul of man. So as you interact, interact on that plane. Battle for their heart. Give space for the Spirit of God and the gospel to transform people's heart, their soul, their worldviews, their mind, because you will never do it. I'm telling you what, I've seen this again and again, where one person standing here and one person standing here in the position of their heart and the position of their heart And you might actually be right. But you're never going to convince somebody through your intellectual arguments. It will be through your love. Allowing the Spirit of God to love people through you. To show compassion through people towards you. I'm not saying we shouldn't have a strong biblical, theological worldview. We must have it. But we must understand that that is not what transforms someone else's heart. It's Jesus. And so as we're working in our marriages... Yeah, we can, get, we can fight with our spouse over this perspective or that perspective. We can fight with people in our church over this thing or that thing. But you know what? You know what we need to do? We need to just allow God's word and his spirit to draw us into a place of unity as we allow his word to inform the position and the perspectives of our heart. Our perception is not reality. Our perceptions are influenced by our heart. So lastly, we'll put this on the screen. We'll kind of wrap this thing up. The human mind creates a lot of chaos, which causes us to misinterpret and misunderstand many, many things. We only see what we want to see, and we hear what we want to hear. We don't perceive things the way they actually are. We literally make things up here in our imaginations. Uh, Because we don't understand uh, something, we make an assumption about the meaning. And, And how many of you are guilty like me? We're so, we so badly want to know, we want to fill in all the gaps in our head, that rather than actually having a conversation with somebody, we just, we feel more comfortable just assuming. Because we, we don't want to talk with that person, they drive us nuts. So rather than doing that, we don't know what's actually going on, we allow our subjective perspectives to assume their motives. To assume what they're trying to do. To assume the agenda. Rather than just face-to-face, heart-to-heart, talking with them. We make assumptions about the meaning, and when the truth finally comes out, we usually find out it was not what we thought it was at all. And this takes humility. 
One of the things that the church lacks in the 21st century is humility. Because after all, we're right. And because we're right, we're, we, we, we can be arrogant. And because we're right, we can be proud. And because we're right, we don't have to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. And because we're right, we don't have to demonstrate love. And because we're right, we can be frustrated and angry and mad because we're right. And that's what most of the unsaved world sees. Somebody who's angry and mad and frustrated because they see an elephant and all the rest of the world sees giraffes. And all they see is a giraffe, all they see is a giraffe and an angry Christian, a frustrated Christian. They're just looking and they're seeing exactly the, what the position of their heart shows them. And all they see is us over here without any love and without any peace. And without any joy, and they just write us off completely. Now, I am not saying we need to move the position of our heart. But what I am saying is if the position of our heart is real, then that means it comes with the fruit of the Spirit. It can come with love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness, when it's real, that's what flows from an authentic believer's soul. And when you demonstrate the gospel, not just, just talk it, that's important, but as you demonstrate it with love and peace, that, the gospel demonstrated, is the only hope that we have of seeing our world transform, not our anger not our frustrations. Not our, you know, lack of love. But the fruit of the Spirit living through us changes things. I'll say this. If your heart doesn't regularly demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, if your heart doesn't regularly exude joy, even in hard times, if, if your heart doesn't regularly exude peace in the midst of difficult seasons, if you're constantly, if you're just constantly restless about your life, I need something else, I need to move here, I need to have this, I need to buy those things, and your soul is just regularly restless, I'm going to say this, don't trust it. It's lying to you. You see... When the Holy Spirit's at work and when he's giving you a proper position of the heart, there's peace. There's, there's contentment with what God's given to you. That's not to say he won't give you more. That's not to say you shouldn't work. That's not to say you shouldn't, you know, do your best. And I'm not saying any of those things, but you'll do it from a position of peace. There won't be any agenda or motives. You'll simply be able to do it because you love what it is you do and you love who you're doing it for. There'll be joy. There'll be peace. There will be love. And if your life doesn't regularly manifest the fruit of the Spirit in its behaviors, can I just warn you, be careful to trust it because it's probably lying to you. And it's very convincing. Here's our takeaway. The objective reality of Scripture 
is vital to properly navigating the perspectives of life. The objective reality of Scripture and its proper interpretation is vital to successfully navigating the perspectives of life. This is why the psalmist said, God, open thou mine eyes wide. Open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy word. See, the psalmist knew it wasn't just by looking at it that he would get the proper perspective. He needed the spirit of God to help him see what God wanted to show him. You see, my friends, doing better is not always, it's not always about trying harder. Doing better is oftentimes about simply thinking differently. If you want to grow in your marriage, if you want to grow in your parenting, if you want to grow in your career, more often than not, it's not simply just about, just about trying harder. Oftentimes it's about thinking differently about the situation that lies before you. There was one author who said it this way, we cannot get out of our level, we can't get out of the situations that are difficult in our life by the same level of thinking that got us into those problems in the first place. We need a renewed perspective. So here's what we're going to do. Next week, we're going to look at how, what we're talking about foundationally, surmising how our brains do this and how it sabotages the relationships in our life. I'm going to talk about what we just talked about, how biblically, from the word of God, this actually sabotages your marriage at times. How it sabotages relationship with your children, with your parents, how this hurts relationships with people in your church, because a lot of times this is going on and we're not even aware of it, and oftentimes it's happening in two people at the same time, it's why there's no unity in churches, it's why we don't have unity in many of our families, it's why we don't have unity at workplaces. Because we're all involved in surmising, allowing our pride and our ego to fill in the gaps through assumption, through conjecture, rather than having loving, peace-filled, joyful, merciful and gracious conversations face-to-face with individuals. To love them, to serve them through those conversations and in so experiencing a unity and giving the Spirit of God a chance to work in people's souls, to work in people's heart in a way that our flesh just simply cannot do. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.